Hello, I'm Sophie Lennon and I'm going to be joining Ali Wright on his podcast this week. I've had type 1 diabetes for seven years now and a few years ago I decided to take a big leap of faith and try a low carbohydrate diet for blood glucose control and almost immediately I was absolutely amazed at how much better my blood sugars were just not having as many carbohydrates and I still eat this way now. Uh, My last A1C was 4.7% which I still can't quite believe and but more importantly than this I just feel so much healthier and so much happier because I'm rarely hypoing and I hardly ever go high anymore which is just amazing comparing that to what my blood sugars used to be like it's yeah it's the closest thing to feeling like a non-diabetic and I hope that by sharing my story I can inspire another tight one to perhaps give this lifestyle a go I appreciate it won't be for everybody, but I really hope that more type 1s can at least know about it so that the option is always there if they wanted to give it a go. Okay, Sophie, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, Thank you for having me on. (laughs) Not a problem at all. We've obviously been sort of aware of each other for a while now um it's the first time we've been able to speak um but obviously both sort of joined instagram at a similar time and sort of sharing our experiences and obviously we as we'll get on to we're kind of on opposite ends on the spectrum and some things and then on other things we have some very similar views so i'm very excited to have a chance to talk to you this evening so thank you oh thank you as well so i guess the perfect place to start is right at the beginning so um I understand you were diagnosed in 2013 I believe um and sort of how did that unravel how what 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 was your diagnosis story what what age were you and 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 how did that play out um so I was 15 and um it was kind of the time just before I was going to take my GCSEs um so I was quite tired from that anyway um but I just felt really tired and um really thirsty all the time um and it started out like quite subtle um and something like you wouldn't really notice but then as the weeks went by the thirst got even worse um and the tiredness got even worse um and I would actually get up in the night to go and get a drink um and even like drinking so much water um nothing would kind of quench it like it was always there um and also my period stopped so that was quite worrying um mm. I think that might have been to do with the weight loss because I also like went down to about six and a half stone mm. um and I'm five foot three so that was quite um scary yeah I can imagine <laughs> um, yeah um and I kind of told my parents about it and um, I actually did this like symptom checker online um, and that said I likely had type one um, but my parents said like oh you know that's not possible because no one in our family has it um, which I mean you probably know now that you can get it even if mm. no one in your family has it yeah. Um, but yeah I didn't know that so I thought okay um, it's not type one um, but then, yeah, I just got worse and worse and 
um, I had blood tests done and then that showed that I did have type one. And um, he said, you need to go to the hospital tonight. Um, so yeah, I went to the hospital and got diagnosed. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a strange one because although, obviously, although there is a greater risk of, of children having it if, if their parents are diabetic, um, you know, the majority of people that I talk to, it's sort of completely out of the blue and it, it was the same for myself. So um, it was sort of, where's this come from? There was no reasonable explanation. I was perfectly healthy apart from that. Um, and I guess it gets to that point where you have all these really strange symptoms and it's sort of unexplainable. Um <laughs> So I guess in many ways, I think for some people, it's almost a relief just to know what's causing those things. Because as you say, it sounds um, pretty traumatic and certainly the weight loss must have been incredibly worrying, just sort of seeing it drop off. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I guess so um, from what I'm aware of your story at first, you know, like most diabetics, you were kind of given the standard advice um, after you'd kind of been taught the basics of type one diabetes that, um that you can and should eat anything you want and that it was just a case of taking the appropriate amount of insulin for it but I gather that, that sort of didn't that didn't play out particularly well for you yeah um so I did follow this advice for uh four years okay. um so it took me a long time to kind of find a different way to manage it um and when I was diagnosed like I didn't know anything about it um so I kind of took everything on board. And um, when they said I could eat everything I wanted, um, like I held on to that for a long time. And if someone said like, oh, Sophie can't eat that because she's diabetic, I would just get really angry <laughs> and um, like just eat the cake and maybe like eat two of them just to prove a point. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us hold on to that um, and kind of defend it. Um, and I still do believe we can eat whatever we want, but I just feel like there's better options um, for our blood sugars now. Mm. And um, after, so after that four year period, I guess that's when the sort of transition began um, towards a sort of more low carb lifestyle. Yeah. Um, um, and what kind of triggered that for you? Was it your own research or was it someone talking to you? Um, well, I had a really bad hypo at uni um, in the middle of a lecture and it was just really embarrassing and I didn't have any like hypo treatment on me okay. so my friend had to just give me a bag of sugar um, <laughs> I just thought um, like I can't do this anymore like I was hypoing maybe two or three times like every day mm. um, and I was I think I was just looking online um, and then I saw someone else's CGM graph um, and it was just a flat line and um, like I didn't think it was possible for a type one to achieve that. Um, and then the person had hashtagged low carb um, and that was the kind of trigger that to look into low carb at that point. Um, and I can't really remember if anyone had mentioned it to me before. I don't think they had, um, but I, I don't think I would have been in the right mindset before because um, I think it's really important that I found it by myself and like I decided to try it. Mm. Um, whereas if someone said to you like, oh, you must eat low carb, um, you can't have all these things anymore. Um, I think some people would say like, no. <laughs> so yeah, I think mindset's really important. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, you talk, uh, obviously you mentioned about the flat lines and, and, and sort of discovering the low carb lifestyle. And given I'm not 
you know, I'm still not convinced that you're actually diabetic given your HbA1c is something ridiculous and your blood sugar lines. <laughs> it's just a flat line every single day. It is probably fair to say that certainly that shift for you has been, has been life-changing. Um, yeah. And I can obviously tell from your social media and from talking to you um, that you do have incredible sort of passion and enthusiasm for spreading awareness of, of just how beneficial a low carb um, approach can be for some, for some type ones. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think there's perhaps a pushback or not necessarily a pushback, but sometimes caution that people have towards adopting it? Do you think it's just lack of awareness or, or just because that's when we're diagnosed, we're not really aware that, that that's even an option? Yeah, I think it's it's a lot of things. So it's definitely the things you've mentioned. Um, so I've said like the reason why I didn't look into it for a while was because um, I was just told we could have whatever we wanted. So I had like no reason to. Um, but another thing is ketones. People are really, really worried about that. Um, and I was as well. Um, and when I first started, I did show ketones and obviously we're told that they're bad. Um, and then someone else said to me, like, oh, no, there's a difference between nutritional ketosis and ketoacidosis. Um, and then, yeah, when you realize the difference, you know that low levels of ketones are fine, but it's the high levels of ketones with the high blood sugars that are a cause for concern. Mm. Um, and my diabetes consultant um, still doesn't know the difference. So she's not very like happy that I'm following like a low carb diet. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do have low levels of ketones all the time and it's, it's safe. Like it's fine. I've never gone into DKA from that. Um, but I think that, yeah, that is the main reason why, um, perhaps they're a bit kind of apprehensive to suggest it. Um, and someone else made a really good point that when you're diagnosed, um, like everything changes, like your whole life changes. So for us to have some kind of normality, um, is kind of like a beacon of hope. So, mm. um, and that could be another reason why they don't want to say um, have less carbs when we're diagnosed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really want it to be an option. Like, I don't think everyone should have to follow it, but I just think there should be more um, like said about it. And like, they should say um, like you can carb count and have whatever you want, but you could also try this way um, and then see how you find it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I th- I've obviously been diabetic, what, uh, nearly 16 years now. Um, and, and even my sort of understanding and awareness of it, you know, I remember, I remember messaging you fairly early on about, about ketones and, and that was my understanding that, that that was obviously a risk, um, and, and sort of how that worked and, and what the risks were for you. And, um, and obviously latterly, certainly when I was first diagnosed, I wasn't, I wasn't, low carb was never sort of talked about um as an option so i I do think there's perhaps a lack of a lack of understanding and then certainly but at the minute it it does feel that there's sort of more awareness or a growing awareness of it um and but i think at the minute there's still perhaps a lot of uncertainty and misunderstanding around low carb and sort of what that means for you and i think people make assumptions that you know, it's eating ice cubes and sticks of celery. Um, and, and I guess what, what does a normal sort of a normal day of eating look like for you? So just sort of breakfast, lunch and dinner on, on, on a normal day. 
that's a good question. Um, so today I had scrambled eggs, bacon and avocado for breakfast. Okay. Um, so I usually either have like savory or sweet. So if I were to have a sweet breakfast, I would perhaps have um, some chocolate waffles that I make um, with almond flour. Are these or... the famous chaffles? 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 <laughs> well, the chaffles are cheese waffles. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> whereas the sweet ones, um, they're just kind of like cocoa powder and almond flour and egg. Okay. Um, but yeah, they're really good as well. Um, and then lunchtime, I might have a chaffle like sandwich thing so that's the cheese waffle yeah um or i have recently discovered a really good recipe for low carb bread so i've started having sandwiches again which is really nice um and then snacks um i love cheese so that's always good um like sliced meats uh maybe a few berries and nuts um dark chocolate um and like my evening meal, I'll always have um, like some sort of meat and a side of vegetables or um, the low-carb pasta from Aldi. Mm. Um, that's very good as well. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of finding things um, to include in your diet. So you're not just having salads all the time. Yeah. And I'm right in thinking you've got a cheese advent calendar at the minute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Because I guess, you know, on a, on a daily basis, it's not you know, it's not zero carbs, that would almost be impossible. So I guess, what, what kind of range are we talking per day in terms of your carbohydrate intake at the minute? Um, so at the moment, I'm around 30 grams of carbs a day, okay. um, which does sound quite low. Um, and when I first started low carb, I was eating around 50 grams. Um, but through like trial and error, um, my like sweet spot is around 30. But mm. I don't like count carbs so I could be under that or slightly over um but yeah I don't stress about it yeah I, yeah just choose low carb options and and I guess for someone you know as someone who, who who follows a low carb diet I guess one obvious question that people would have for you is is sort of how that impacts you socially so for example when you're out with your friends when you're out with your boyfriend mm -hmm. how does how does that pan out and is it is it is it difficult at times to stick to it or are you finding sort of increasingly it, it's quite easy to sort of work around it? Um, it's definitely getting easier. Um, like that's one of the benefits of like low carb or keto becoming more mainstream is that there's more options um, becoming available. Um, but it was a struggle in the beginning because I didn't really know uh, what was low carb and what wasn't. Mm -hmm. uh, but for like takeaways, Indians boys are a really good option um pizza is a bit harder um we got a papa john's the other night and um my boyfriend said like oh they've got a butternut squash base you should get that one um and i didn't realize it was butternut squash but wheat flour and sugar and all the other things <laughs> um so yeah that was a fail but um like once you know what you can order it's fine but yeah you're definitely more restricted um to what you can eat um but I'm like grateful I can still have my favorite foods. I just like swap the rice for broccoli rice or um, or I make my own like naan bread or, um, well, luckily poppadons are low carb, so I can still have them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Because I think, um, I think um, at, at, at the minute, there's certainly sort of a movement towards low carb, um, you know, in general, just outside of the type one community um so so that presumably makes it a little bit easier as well places offering um 
slightly low carb options, which, which I guess also has a knock on impact. Um, you know, for me, I guess I can kind of see both sides, you know, as a, as a, as a swimmer for, for sort of 10 years. And when I was competing, a low carb approach probably wouldn't have worked for me. And I was, you know, I was consuming sort of 3000 to 4,000 calories a day. So having some sort of heavy carbohydrate meal most nights was, was kind of the norm, whether that's, you know, pasta, rice or something else. Um, and for me, I sort of found without those slow release carbohydrates training became very difficult, but, Whereas now, you know, a, a little bit older, someone who sort of exercises more recreationally, I can see, I, I, you know, in my control, I can see the benefit of low carb approach. So on the days that, you know, I don't do exercise, I tend to have a low carb lunch, like an omelet with some salad and, and I can see the impact that that has on, on my own, my own control. So I think since being more aware of it through, you know, accounts like yours and, and, other, and other people, I, I can see why it's certainly a really beneficial approach um, for some people. Um, I think the common assumption is that those following sort of a low carb diet must therefore, through that logic, be fairly inactive. But I know that's that's not really true of yourself. No. Um, yeah, I mean, I actually exercise more now eating mm. low carb than I did eating high carb. Um, and the main reason for that is that I used to hypo a lot during exercise on high carb because I had more like insulin in my body. Um, but on low carb, I could have a meal without any insulin. Um, and I find it easier to exercise without any fast acting on board um, because then you, you don't drop. Um, so I went out for a hike a few weeks ago now um, and I actually forgot my insulin and I really panicked. Um, but I just had my low carb lunch anyway. And thankfully my blood sugar stayed steady throughout and they didn't spike and they didn't drop. Um, whereas if I'd taken a high carb lunch, I either wouldn't have been able to eat it or I would have eaten it and then spiked. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's safer in that sense, definitely. Mm. Um, and I was worried about not having any energy. Um, because I'm sure like you've heard, um, we need carbohydrates for energy. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I just have 30 grams a day and I feel really energized. And I think that's because my blood sugars are so steady um, because when they were like more erratic, I did have that kind of drop in energy and then that spike in energy and then it would be the drop again. Um, whereas now they're a lot more stable. So um, yeah, I feel a lot better now. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, for, for me, obviously, we, we've all got that kind of golden range where we want our bloods to be sat. And certainly, you know, from the pictures from your graphs, you've got, a very, you know, an incredibly flat line throughout the day and throughout the night. Um, and and for me, certainly that range, more and more I'm managing to stick through it sort of through, through pre-bolusing and stuff, but it's, it isn't flat. And I think because I follow a relatively high carb diet, I still have you know, those peaks and those troughs, they're just slightly tighter. Um, and I think that's the difference. And certainly from what, you know, from what I've heard you saying before, that's kind of the difference that you saw that even really, really well controlled sort of high carb diets, it's sometimes quite hard to have that flat line if you don't pre-bolus exactly right. Um, you know, I know for me, if I wake up and have a coffee and, and something with sort of no carbohydrate, um, and I know we've spoken about coffee and we, again, it's a whole different thing. And for me, it doesn't seem to have much impact, but 
coffee is a whole nother story. Um, but mm-hmm. if I have a relatively low carb breakfast, you sort of are able to, to sit quite happily and not have that spike and, and therefore not have that, that fall afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess in many ways, you know, we do come from opposite ends of the spectrum in some ways, um, but I can certainly see the advantages to, to do a low carb diet. And I feel at the moment, um, one of the problems is there seems to be, I don't know if you've experienced this, but there seems to be a lot of sort of resentment and, and, and at times anger towards low carb diets almost being forced upon people or, or, or people yeah. feeling like that. And, you know, we've, we've both commented on, on posts on Facebook, for example, where I've seen you commenting, you've seen myself commenting and people getting incredibly annoyed at low carb even being suggested because, you know, how dare you suggest an alternative way to control this. Um, yeah. And I guess how, how, you know, how, how does that make you feel? And do you think that's potentially damaging for people like yourself who are possibly, you know, trying to advocate and share your own experiences who it's been completely beneficial rather than negative in any way? Yeah, it's really hard because I'm going to be completely honest. Um, I used to be that person that if mm. I saw anything about healthy eating or type ones, I would just be like, no, we can eat everyone. I'm not going to listen to this. Um, but now I can see the low carb side. And honestly, like we just want to help people. Um, I personally never try and force it on anyone. So um, if someone like asks for help, then like I'll give it to them. But um, if they don't ask for it, like I, I don't try and preach it to them. Um, um, but yeah, it's really hard because I think it goes back to being told at diagnosis, we can have whatever we want. Um, and then you don't really want to hear that maybe you should um, have less carbs. Um, it would be a different story for everyone. Like, like you said, you can tolerate a few more carbohydrates because you're more active. Um, but I think on the whole, um, most of us aren't that active so they would see an improvement in their blood sugars without um, as many carbohydrates um, but yeah I mean it's a really hard one because you want everyone to know about it but you also don't want to preach. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a tricky one because you know you I've certainly stumbled across accounts that are very much sort of um you know, it low carbs, the only way to go. And I think that is potentially quite damaging. I think, you know, one of the main reasons I, I was so keen to talk to you on this podcast was, is because we do, we, you know, we do have very different approaches to how we manage our diabetes, but I think learning from other people and being aware of how other people manage their condition, we all have the same condition yet. There's a hundred ways to manage it and no one can deny that you, your control is, is unbelievable. So therefore, you know, I think it's very easy to, to, I felt it where, you know, someone says you should do this and you think, well, that's not going to work for me. And you almost mm-hmm. get annoyed and you think, no, my control's good enough. And I think sometimes it's about just stepping back and saying, well, is there something that I can take? So, you know, I started thinking, right, well, when, when can I do low carb? Okay. I can maybe try low carb for my lunches. And that's had a really beneficial impact. So I think it's okay. I'm probably never take the full jump to where you, where you're at, but mm-hmm. working out sort of, what what do you do that I could benefit from and and also I'm sure you do it with other people as well so I don't know I think I think it's a shame and I think it's almost split the community certainly that's how it feels that there's people who are high carb people who are low carb and I just think um 
as long as people are sort of saying, look, this is what I do. If you want to take take anything from it, that's absolutely fine. I think the only sort of negative side is when people are saying this is what you need to do because I think that's yeah. I think that's wrong. Um, but obviously, you know, on your social media as well as advocating for low carb in general, um, you also share, you know, a huge number of recipes. Now I'm aware I managed to get into your bad books for saying that low carb cookies don't count when we were chatting with Nina. <laughs> Um, but obviously after the Christmas present that you very kindly sent me, I can safely admit on this podcast to all seven listeners that, (laughs) that, um, the the low carb cookies were amazing, even if they were 10 days old. Um, (laughs) but I guess has baking always, so so baking and cooking and, and sort of finding new recipes, has that always been a passion for you even before diabetes or has it sort of been something that developed out of, you know, a, a curiosity to try and find low carb alternatives? Um, I've always enjoyed baking um, and low carb baking is like a whole different um, ballpark because it's not it's not as easy as high carb baking because the flowers are so different. Mm. Um, but when people were kind of under the impression that low carb is just um, like meat and vegetables, I really wanted to kind of challenge that perception and I thought, what can I make um, that I enjoy and that other people would enjoy that can be low carb. Um, So I've made like cereal, bread, um, onion bhajis, uh, waffles, pancakes. Um, And yeah, I I mean, I really enjoy it. It is time consuming, um, but I usually make kind of like big batches and then keep them in the freezer and just kind of slowly work my way through them um, because I'm the only low carber in my family. So um, I've got quite a lot of food to get through. Yeah, because the 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 cookies that that you sent me, I you, on, obviously you told me that it was two, was it two grams per cookie? And I was sat there thinking, <laughs> that can't be right. I was like, she's definitely got the, me- <laughs> the measurements wrong here. I was like, this can't be, but yeah, yeah. it's just some of the recipes because I know you it was just today you put up a post and it was a, you'd made cocoa puffs or cocoa uh, yeah. pops sorry yeah yeah cocoa puffs pops or whatever you call it but um <laughs> it was a low-carb cereal um so that was quite fun to make um not quite the same it doesn't like crackle like cocoa pops but it was nice to just be able to eat something with milk and yeah no I'm always really intrigued because it's sort of every time it seems to be something else and every time I'm sort of sat there going that can't be right (laughs) (laughs) um so I'm going to put you on the spot if you were going to tell me your so far your three favorite low-carb recipes whether they're sweet savory what would they be okay good question um definitely the chocolate peanut butter squares um I don't know if you've seen them, but they are just so easy to make and really good. Um, What else? Definitely the cookies. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's the sugar-free Londoner recipe. Um, They're just another like really quick one. um, And I think they're only 10 minutes in the oven. Um, And then I made a low-carb chocolate cake for the first time last month. um, And I was blown away at how good it tasted. Um, and I gave it to my family as well and they said this is amazing um, and usually they're like brutally honest about what I make and sometimes they'll say this tastes awful so to hear them say like this is amazing that was really good um, so yeah those are my top three like sweet low-carb recipes. Brilliant and 
I guess before we move on from sort of low carb, um, if someone was say listening to this and, and they were thinking, oh, I might try low carb and perhaps looking for places to find recipes or just looking for information in general, um, where would you sort of direct them for, for recipes, but also just general information on, on perhaps adopting or looking to adopt a low carb lifestyle? Mm. Um, definitely Dr. Bernstein's book. Um, this is quite a long book and there is a lot of information in there, um, but it's really valuable um, and well worth the read. Um, so I would say that one first. And then um, there's also lots of Facebook groups. So there's Type 1 Grit, uh, Type 1 Normal, Type 1 Low Carb UK, <laughs> um, and also Keto for Type 1 Diabetics. Um, and they're brilliant because there's thousands of type ones um, all following the same lifestyle. So if you have any questions, you can just ask on the group um, and they're all really lovely. Um, and recipe wise, uh, I would say definitely sugar-free Londoner. Um, Carolyn Ketchum, I think she's called all day I dream about food.com. <laughs> um, and also low carb yum, that's a good one. Um, yeah, there's a lot of websites and just Pinterest as well. That's a really good place to find uh, new ideas. Brilliant. And just um, final question before we move on from the low carb thing, just so people have some sort of idea, where was your sort of HbA1c sat at before and where is it sort of sat at at the minute after adopting that low carb lifestyle? Um, so shortly after diagnosis, I think I was hovering in the eights. So kind of 8%. Um, I'm not sure what that is in millimole because I know we have different like yeah. um, And when I started, um, I actually kind of started keto before low carbs. So the first year I was keto um, and then it went down to 6.5%. Um, but I was also having a lot of cheat meals, which I think pushed it up. <laughs> um, and then I this year I went down to 5.4%. Um, but I was actually furloughed at the start of the year and I like took that time to really focus on it more um, and I reread the book um, and then I tested last month and it's now 4.7% um, which I still can't believe because just I really struggled with it and I was on the roller coaster for so many years so to just have that switch has been amazing um, and yeah I mean I still look at my graphs and I think is this real? <laughs> um, yeah. It's it's, yeah, it's, it's, no, definitely. It's, um, I mean, as someone who, um, you know, who's also diabetic and, and seeing an HbA1c of 4.7 is just, if you're not diabetic, it's quite hard to sort of get your head around, but as someone who, who's also diabetic, it is absolutely mind blowing. Um, yeah. Of course, you know, I'm aware there's obviously a lot more to you than just diabetes. And it's obviously important to talk about that as well. So I know outside of diabetes, um, you work in illustration and you specialize in, in children's books. I'm right in thinking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's true. And I believe I remember you telling me that you wrote and illustrated a book about type one diabetes or about someone with type one diabetes. Yeah. So the title was um a children's guide to type 1 diabetes um, and it was kind of just like uh, an initial guide when you're diagnosed and explaining what everything is and what everything means um, 
and that was for JDRF UK. Mm -hmm. um, but at the start of this year, the woman who I was corresponding with actually went on maternity leave. Um, and then it was kind of just when COVID was beginning. Um, and yeah, we've just had to put it on hold for a minute, which is a shame. Um, but I've got my fingers crossed. I'm hoping something comes of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So is that kind of the the ultimate aim or, or, or where do you sort of see that career progressing? You know, is it is it, would you like to be the sort of sugary version of Roald Dahl or would you, you know, <laughs> prefer to kind of keep the two separate moving forwards or, or, or sort of would you enjoy doing more opportunities like that? Um, oh, that's a really tough question. Um, at the moment, it is quite nice to have that separation. Um, because um, like I've got my Instagram and I'm very like on low carb and I'm on diabetes and thinking about it a lot. Um, but then when I'm working, I can think about design and illustration and it's just having a break is quite nice. So it's not like your whole life. Um, but saying that I really did enjoy writing and illustrating the children's book about diabetes. Um, so, or yeah, it's a really tough question, but I'm lucky to work in design for my job. Um, and then I can still do like personal work on the side. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess you can wait and see and if opportunities come up, then hopefully that'll, mm -hmm. that'll be an option. I guess, yeah. um, you know, finally with Christmas just around the corner next week or whenever it is, um, <laughs> you know, I'm obviously sat here thinking mince pies, roast potatoes, <laughs> Christmas yeah. cake. Um, but I guess another obvious question is sort of what what does a low carb Christmas look like and then secondly how does your Christmas day unfold so are you an early riser or are you are you definitely more more of a lion um so this year is actually going to be my first year doing a low carb Christmas okay um, because yeah I'm quite excited um but yeah in the like last year and the years previous um I always had that day off um and I'd also have like birthdays off um but last Christmas um I actually looked at my graph earlier from Christmas day 2019 um and my sugars were up and down all day and I just remember feeling like really low and really tired um and that kind of switch from normal steady blood sugars to the roller coaster blood sugars um is a lot more dramatic when you're not used to having them so um like before low carb my sugars were erratic all the time. So for them to be erratic on Christmas day, like it wasn't so much of a difference and I didn't feel like dramatically worse. Um, but yeah, now that they are a lot more tighter and steadier, if I were to have that jump, um, it would really take it out of me. Um, and that's what I experienced last Christmas. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just, I decided this year, um, I don't want those side effects. Um, so although I do love my mince pies and potatoes, um, I've made some low-carb mince pies um, and I'm just swapping the potatoes for um, like Swede and butternut squash. Um, and what was the other question you asked? Just how your Christmas day unfolds. So how, what, what, what does a typical Christmas day look like in your household? Um, so I'm usually the first up. Um, it's got a bit later over the years so it used to be about 6 a.m yeah. <laughs> but now that I'm 22 it's about maybe eight or nine um and then we kind of like put the oven on ready for 
the turkey um, or beef or whatever we're having and then um, we like make a coffee and um, I think we do presents before breakfast but I remember getting quite hungry last year so I think we might have breakfast first this year. Um, yeah. <laughs> Very good and because you know when you mentioned there it's something that uh, you know about when you're following such a strict low-carb lifestyle um, to then sort of revert back almost to a high carb lifestyle even for 24 or 48 hours it's something I spoke about with Nina actually um who's naturally Nina on Instagram and she she kind of said the same that when you revert back it's incredibly hard to stay on top of it because your body's just not used to it and and almost being able to inject enough insulin to cover those kind of meals is is often quite difficult and that certainly sounds like it's your experience or was your your experience last Christmas um and uh, you know we we both know that when you're running high or when you suddenly have an uptick in your levels or 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 you're having sort of repeated lows from from crashing down again it is like having a horrendous hangover it's sort of like being hit by a bus so um it's certainly not the feeling that you want um over Christmas but fingers crossed with your with your approach this year it'll be a lot smoother for you um before we go um just let everyone know what your social media is because I know you've just started a podcast yourself as well which I'm excited (laughs) to listen to um so where can people find you and find more more about you um so on Instagram I'm at t1d sophie um and then my podcast is type 1 diabetes and me sugar free um and yeah, that's that's the only two places I'm okay. on brilliant well look it's been an absolute pleasure having you on um as i say you know since we spoke months ago um i've been keen to sort of learn learn a bit more about you and learn a bit more about your story and as i say at the minute it does really feel like there's a real movement towards low carb and certainly a real interest in it and um i hope that you know people people come across your profile and and certainly i can't i can't imagine they won't find it useful um and i only have complete admiration for your for your control and um i hope the the low carb christmas uh, goes well for you oh thank you so much not a problem at all <laughs> thank you very much i'll speak to you soon Sophie. okay bye bye